This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. You did it, you beautiful nerds. We currently have 20,208 backers and we got that extra $25,000 from Hover. The campaign is over in just a few hours on Friday, November 14th. We're working on our final stretch goal, and that is to create a pilot fund to encourage a greater diversity of people and perspectives in Radiotopia. This is my final battle in the war to remake public radio into the best form of itself in Radiotopia. You can join our mission in these final hours if you really believe in what we're doing with this final goal. You can increase your pledge by going to kickstarter.com and searching for Radiotopia or go to radiotopia.fm and press donut. <laughs> press, press donate. <laughs> oh God. I'm so tired. Thanks. <laughs> This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. Here's a trick. If you want to design a good flag, a kick-ass flag like Chicago's or DC's, start by drawing a one by one and a half inch rectangle on a piece of paper. Your design has to work within that tiny rectangle. Here's why. A three by five foot flag on a pole 100 feet away looks about the same size as a one by one and a half inch rectangle seen about 15 inches from your eye. So instead of starting with a big canvas or a wide cinema display, try drawing your flag on a rectangle as one by one and a half inches. You'll be surprised at how compelling and simple the design can be when you hold yourself to that limitation. That, my friends, is Ted Kay. Ted Kay, I live here in Portland, Oregon, and I'm involved in the study of flags. When I went to his house in Portland, he flew the San Francisco flag out front in honor of my visit. That's the kind of guy Ted Kay is. I'm involved with the Portland Flag Association. We're a loosely organized group of people interested in flags, and we are the largest subnational flag organization in the country with the largest membership. Around 25 dues-paying members. The most frequent meeting schedule and the greatest amount of publishing. Unlike a lot of his fellow vexillologists, that's a person who studies flags, Ted is especially interested in flag design. Many other vexillologists are more focused on history, protocol, and usage. There's one school of thought that says we are flag scholars and every flag is equally appropriate to study. And whether we like the design or not is immaterial. We should be dispassionate scholars. But then there are people in the second group, like Ted and me at this point, actually, who love beautiful flags and go out in the world and lobby for better ones. Those who are in the second camp have identified a, a name for those people, and that's a vexillonaire, an activist vexillologist. If you've listened to this show for a very, very long time, you know that when it comes to designing flags, there are rules. The principles being keep it simple, use meaningful symbolism, use two to three basic colors, no lettering or seals, and be distinctive. All the best flags tend to stick to these principles, but one rule, the fourth one. No lettering or seals. That rule, for some reason, Americans just can't grasp. We have tons of flags with writing and municipal seals on them, and that's bad. Here's why you shouldn't have a seal on a flag. A seal is designed to be on a piece of paper 
to be seen close up, to be seen flat, not moving, and on, on only one side of the paper. A flag is meant to be seen from a distance on a piece of fabric that's moving and might be seen on the front or the back. Seals don't belong on flags. Seals belong on pieces of paper. Damn right. One of the intriguing things about the fact that Ted Kay and the largest subnational flag organization are both based in Portland is that Portland didn't have an official flag for the first 100 years of its existence. Portland had several flags that had been proposed and not officially adopted, even though people thought they'd been adopted. But that was about to change in 1969. A group proposed a flag to the city. The group was the Commercial Club of Portland. The proposed design consisted of a white field, that's the background color, with a with a city seal in gold in the center, flanked by two red roses on either side, and then the words World Port of the Pacific on top and and then the words City of Roses below. Oh my. I think I might have to go lie down. And Mayor Terry Shrunk, who was a very astute politician, looked at this design and said, I'm not capable of deciding on a flag design for the city of Portland. This is a job for the Portland Arts Commission. Smart guy indeed. But this decision set into motion one of the greatest tragedies and redemptions in vexillological history. The Arts Commission selected an esteemed local artist named Doug Lynch to create a brand new design. Who was a prominent graphic designer. They called him a commercial artist at the time. So Doug Lynch created a questionnaire asking both the City Council and the Arts Commission which attributes should be on the flag. And as you might expect, the members of the City Council had a different view of what a flag should look like from what the Arts Commission members looked like. You don't say. The city commissioners were, they wanted realism. Uh, they wanted the name of the city on the flag. Uh, they wanted a rose. Uh, they wanted a mountain. Geez. They wanted lots of stuff on the flag. Uh, the Arts commissioners said it should be abstract. It shouldn't have words on it. Much more consistent with our modern perception of what good flag design is. So Doug went into the fray and designed a flag that did not have a rose on it, did not have the name of the city on it. It was an abstract design. Doug's design was a, I would call it an offset cross. If you go to our website or pull out your phone, you'll see a variation of this flag that Doug Lynch proposed. It's incorporated into the cover tile of this episode. Two lines crossing from top to bottom and left to right in the center, creating a void in the center that is called a hypocycloid, a four-pointed star. The blue lines that crossed represented the confluence of the Columbia and Willamette Rivers. The white hypocycloid represented the city of Portland at their confluence. And then those stripes were bordered by yellow stripes, gold stripes, which represented either commerce or grain flowing along the rivers. And everything was on a background of green representing the forests. It's really lovely. City Council said, thank you for your design and changed the upper left-hand corner from green to blue and put the city seal on it and adopted that flag. 
I know all the graphic designers in the audience are digging half-moon-shaped scars in the meat of their palms upon hearing this violation. It's almost more painful that this abomination was so close to being a really good flag, the one that Doug Lynch had originally submitted. It took a few years, but the city council version of the flag made it out into circulation in 1973. But being a relatively poor design with that city seal on it. Most people can't tell it's the city seal even. It's kind of a yellow gold blob on blue. The flag was never widely flown. So nearly 30 years later, Doug Lynch joined the Portland Flag Association. He was in his late 80s and I invited him to come to one of our meetings and explain this whole story of how he had designed the flag and how it was adopted, and how it was changed at the last minute. And at the end of the presentation, Doug said, if I had to do it over again, I would widen the blue stripes, move the center of the flag over a little, take that upper left-hand corner, which is blue, and change it back to green. And he would take that city seal off the flag. I would make all those. That's how I would do the flag. But it's been 30 years. It's too late now. And they're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We're the largest subnational flag organization in the country. Look, Doug, it's not too late. Sitting around the table are the person who's written the history of the flag of the city of Portland, the person who's written the guidebook on flag design, the person who actually manufactures those flags, and you who designed it. We ought to be able to get this changed. And with the help of future Portland Mayor Sam Adams, they presented an ordinance to the city council to update the flag. My son Mason, who had written the history of the city flags of Portland, testified. I testified. Mike Hale, who was the owner of Elmer's Flag and Banner, who manufactured it, testified. And Doug Lynch testified. And Doug was a revered figure in design in Portland. And the commission in effect, bowed and said, you're the right person to tell us what this design ought to look like. We agree with your design. And the mayor, Mayor Vera Katz at the time, the mayor said, that's great. Come back next week and we'll adopt it, but bring a real flag. Can you do that? And Mike Hale, owner of the flag company, gulped and said, yes, we can do that. And so the next week, he'd had his seamstresses sew up a new city of Portland flag. We came to the city council hearing. The council held a vote on the ordinance, five to zero. They adopted the flag, and Mayor Katz said, pointing to the old flag on the flagpole, take that down and put it in archives. Can you put that new flag up? And so one of our members, John Hood, went over and put the flag on the flagpole in the city council chambers, being the first one to raise the official city of Portland flag. The correct city of Portland flag. This current flag, with all the updates that Doug Lynch wanted, is the graphic that's on the front of the podcast. If you haven't done so already, pull it out. Have a look. It's handsome. It's a good flag. Best of all, people in Portland actually use it, especially if you go to a soccer game. If you don't see your city flag anywhere in your hometown, maybe it needs a redesign too. But that's just the Vexlin Air me talking.
99% Invisible is Sam Greenspan, Katie Mingle, Avery Truffleman, and me, Roman Mars. We are a project of 91.7 local public radio KALW in San Francisco, home of a very bad flag, and produced out of the offices of ArcSign in beautiful downtown Oakland, California, home of a pretty good flag. Support for 99% Invisible is provided by our beautiful nerds and from Hover, the best way to buy and manage domain names. Here's the thing. Hover really stepped up and believed in us. And for that reason alone, they deserve your business and your loyalty. They certainly have mine. But they also happen to be the best at what they do. And for that, they also deserve your business and your loyalty. So that makes them infinitely better than any alternative that exists. I forgot to set up my new code this week. I'm sorry about that, Alex, since I'm, this is getting pretty late and I'm completely out of it. Let's use last week's code. So if you purchase a new domain at Hover.com, and I really recommend you do, use the offer code uh, CHAIR. You know, that's what we talked about last week. And I'll save you 10%. Support is also provided by Tiny Letter, email for people with something to say. My boys Maslow and Carver always have something to say. What do you got to say, boys? Thanks for supporting Radiotopia. Radiotopia! From PRX. Tinyletter.com. It's free, easy, minimal, and powerful. The simplest way to send an email newsletter from the great people behind MailChimp. MailChimp and the Knight Foundation got Radiotopia going about nine months ago. And you guys picked up the ball and supported us even further. We have 67 hours left to raise as much money as we can and support the greatest collective of radio makers in the history of the world. I do not say that hyperbolically. I really believe it. Support us now by going to kickstarter.com and searching for Radiotopia or go to radiotopia.fm and press donate. And really, thank you everyone for being so generous. This has been an amazing month. Radiotopia.